For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. James Johnson. He is the managing editor over on the Jaguars Wire at USA Today. And Jay, we have one of our most highly requested guests on today. And I am really excited to share this discussion we had with Austin. It was a blast. Yeah, absolutely, man. Everybody is a big fan of his work on the radio with Brent Martin. No shout outs to Brent as well. Uh, But yeah, this was one that me and you have, we've kind of talked about but never really put into uh to fruition or whatever the case may be. But we finally uh, linked up with Austin, got with him. He said he'll come on. And uh, we had a quality conversation, man. It was one hour better episodes. I mean, I feel like I'm saying that every week now, but it really <laughs> right. was. I mean, we covered a, a wide array of topics. And I mean, hey, look, we're just that good of a podcast that every podcast is better than the next, right? But uh, yeah, we covered a wide, a wide array of topics on and off the field, got Austin's take on some stuff defensively as a defensive player, which I'll hear about, uh, that ties into Joe Cullen, who was named the defensive coordinator. So a lot of good nuggets in there that we think you all will will enjoy. And um, in terms of um, the last episode, we appreciate the support on that one because that one has been doing crazy numbers as well. And uh, we think this one will probably do the same Absolutely, folks. Just seeing the feedback from our episode after Urban Meyer was hired is is just so great. And it's the urban effect, right, Jay? Not only with us here on the podcast, but really just the city in general. It's currently buzzing uh, because of the news. And we're going to discuss that here with Austin in just a moment. And again, if you are enjoying the show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, as well as subscribe. You can also follow us on all of your favorite podcast directories, which include Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. As part of the Believe Podcast library, you can find me at Phil the Filipino on Twitter, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don, and you can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. Now, before we get started, I do want to let you guys know, as far as the audio, there may be some dips here and there because Austin was using a Zoom on his phone. So there may be a few moments where he cuts out, but it's not very long and it's not too noticeable, but it doesn't last too long. And it's nothing, uh, you know, game breaking in terms of the audio. He still gets his point across. And then before we begin, I want to give a shout out to our first sponsor of the day. Jay, we finally made it. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. And if you guys are looking for a place to bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. I can't believe we got Tom Brady versus Pat Mahomes in 2021, Jay. I mean, we have all seemed to have learned to just not bet against Tom Brady. But when it comes to Pat Mahomes, man, I don't know how you can bet against the guy. I have a sleeper pick for you guys because you can go over there and throw some money down on who you think the Super Bowl MVP is going to be. I'm going to throw it on the defensive side and put down uh, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. I think he's going to have a huge impact in this game. You know, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. 
So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. But with that being said, folks, let's get into our interview with Austin Lane. guys so here we have the highly anticipated conversation with espn 690's austin lane of course you can find him on twitter at a underscore train underscore 92 austin we are super happy to have you here this is a long time coming we actually tried to get you on uh, in our previous iteration of this show which was the jags den podcast and now with believe you know we've been able to, to link up with you so austin you know we're happy to get with you in 2021 we're happy to see that you got through 2020 healthy and hopefully that everybody else in your life is healthy as, as well. So how are you doing tonight, man? They are, man. I, I, I appreciate that. I hope the same goes for you. Uh, you know, highly anticipated. That's kind of a lot of pressure on me right now. Hopefully <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm that cool, but I guess we'll find out. No, you're definitely one of the guests that that our, our listener base has have been requesting. So we were super excited uh, to get you on. And, you know, we, you, you, me, and Jay have all had kind of runnings into you in terms of uh, you know, throughout Jacksonville over the years. I, I, I like telling the story. It was years ago, and I know you won't remember this because it was such an obscure uh, time that we ran into each other, but you came when I worked at GameStop at the Avenues Mall, you came in one time, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's Austin Lane. And then, you know, yeah. just copped it up with you, and, and it was uh, it was great. So, yeah, it's great that you've still been here in the community and part of it, which makes you like a really great guest to have on here because not only you're in, you know, just your insider knowledge, but, but also being on the team and also still being here in Jacksonville makes for a really, really unique conversation, and, and we're super excited to get into it. So, Jay, um, without further ado, if you want to go ahead and, and get into it, and, and we'll get started. Yeah, yeah, we'll actually do that, get right into it. And um, my first question is, I'm sure, like, you probably know where this one is going, Austin. Um, you know, where better to start than the addition of Urban Meyer? Uh, what are your thoughts on the Jazz going in that direction? Also, what are your thoughts in terms of the long-term commitment? You know, a lot of people have questioned that. They're concerned about it. I'm pretty sure you and Brandon have talked about it and me and Phil have just missed it because we've kind of been busy. And uh, also, um, did you personally have him as one of your top choices or you think, do you think like they could have went another direction that you thought was a better direction? Um, Eric B. Enemy, perhaps Brian Dable, who uh, me and Phil actually are big fans of. Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned Brian Dable and Biennemi because they're actually my top two. And then Urban Meyer was like a 2B. So like where I had Biennemi, number one, Dable was 2A, Urban Meyer was 2B. Um, as far as the hire, you know, it's funny because how this whole thing took place is, you know, you heard the speculations, Urban Meyer to the Jaguars, and then it went kind of cold for a while. And it was almost like we're on like a roller coaster of emotions, right? Because we don't know if he's going to come to Jacksonville or not. And everyone was telling us the fact that Urban Meyer is only interested in the Jacksonville job. So, like, we had a one-up on the entire league. So, we went up and down, you know, the ebbs and flows, and eventually he signs with Jacksonville. To me, that was an exciting time because that was, like, a win for the city of Jacksonville. That was a win for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And let's be honest, in the past decade or so, there hasn't been a lot of wins. 
So I took that as a win. I took it from a win from a perspective of you're going to bring a guy that's going to try to obviously change the culture. He's had success wherever he's been. You're going to bring in a guy who knows how to coach young men and the Jaguars being the youngest team in the NFL. But most importantly, from Shad Khan's perspective, the owner of the team, you're swinging for the fences here. And listen, I don't know if Urban Meyer is going to be the guy. Um, this could crash and burn as far as I'm concerned. It's the ultimate boomer bust play. But to me, this is Shad Khan saying, you know what? I hear the fan base. We got to make a change. My past coaching hires have been bad. So I'm going to swing for the fences with this one and hopefully it works out. So I, I respect the hire. I'm intrigued by the hire. And I think of where the Jaguars are at right now. It's probably the best fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. You know, what I would say is, yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of shot Khan and like, uh, the situation of him swinging for the fences and stuff because it feels like he kind of like jumped through hula hoops to make this happen. Like you said, it was a roller coaster. Like one minute it's like the Chargers are involved, the next minute it's like he's on the yacht with Shai Khan. It's like okay, like what what's going on here? But you can really tell at the least that Shai Khan put a lot of effort into getting Urban Meyer there. You hear the rumors and the reports about like him trying to. Uh, in, in terms of the facility situation, get that sorted out for him and all of that from Albert Breer, who is probably somebody really, really connected with Urban Meyer. So, yeah, from that standpoint, yeah, you have to give uh, Khan kudos for that because, uh, you know, like that was one of the issues. A lot of fans were like, hey, he's not hearing us. And uh, we'll actually kind of touch on that later uh, with Tony Khan. But, yeah, that was a big time issue that uh, he seems to have heard and, you know, hopefully it works out for the best and he's Jim Harbaugh or like Jimmy Johnson or something for the Jags. So I'm going to pass yeah. the next one on the field. Well, oh, and, yeah, go ahead. No, but wait, wait a second, though. So you actually brought up a really great point here, James, too. You mentioned the facilities a little bit, you know, and to me, that's another plus of Urban Meyer coming to Jacksonville. He's going to kind of bring that college feel to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, by college feel, I mean he's going to try to have the best facilities. He's probably going to build, like, he's going to have Sean Khan build the home practice facility. Like, he's going to build the state-of-the-art everything, whether it's recovery, whether it's weight training. They're going to have the state-of-the-art stuff. Now, what does that mean? Like, is that going to be the difference between a big free agent coming and not coming? Probably not, because it's like I say in college. College kids out of high school, like, yeah, they're attracted to, to the, the million-dollar facilities, but what they're attracted to more is, listen, this university is willing to spend that much money. They must care about their football program. I think if Urban Meyer does the same thing in Jacksonville, it's showing, listen, look at what Sean Khan's doing. Look at what Urban Meyer is doing for this facility. Look what he's doing for this team. It, it almost shows the free agents like, hey, Urban Meyer really cares about this. And that's what NFL players want more than anything sometimes. It's, it's the fact that, you know, that the team cares about them. So I think bringing Urban Meyer in here too, when you don't have a tradition to fall back on, when you don't have a winning history to fall back on, you need to have something else. And the fact that Urban Meyer is going to build up and he's going to say, hey, we care about you this much, look what we're building, that's a plus in my book as well. Yeah, for sure. And and also just to kind of follow up on that as well, because Austin, you, you answered a lot of the stuff I was going to going to follow up on already in terms of that question. So it worked out really well. So what, one thing I said, so we did a breakdown episode that came out this past Monday talking about Urban Meyer, because just kind of like you, he wasn't our our top choice, but we also understood that it's a big deal. Like we have gotten, this is the most, 
you know, national press coverage we've gotten in forever. And now, of course, we had 2017, but exactly. And that's that's a really big deal. So one of the things that I had said that I that I felt like, so say, you know, there's this whole narrative. Of course, we already know Urban's history about, you know, leaving, you know, and, and then showing up elsewhere. My, the way that I've looked at it, even though it wasn't necessarily my popular choice, is if, say if Urban leaves in five years, but we end up with those upgraded facilities and maybe the renovations to the stadium that we're going to need by 2030. That's something we talk about a lot on here because we know we need that renovation in order for the owners to sign off on our extension. If that happens and say the team is moderately successful, Trevor Lawrence is progressing, if he's gone in five years but leaves the franchise in a better place, that's that's a win, right? Yeah, so, you know, it's funny because we're in Jacksonville, right? So we have close ties to the Florida Gators. Whether you're a Florida Gator fan or not, like, you, you feel that fan base, right? They're on your proverbial radar, if you will. So when Urban Meyer left Florida, you ask me a Florida Gator fan, nine times out of ten, they're going to say, oh, I can't stand Urban Meyer. I don't want him to be in Jacksonville. Well, why is that? I mean, he won them championships. But in the sport of football, the fan base has only cared what have you done for me lately. And when Urban Meyer left, he left good, man. Like, he won championships, great players, Heisman Trophy players. But when he left, he put the keys in the hands of guys that couldn't run the program, right? And all of a sudden, Florida went down. And then fans, you know, blamed Urban for that. When he went to Ohio State, you know, he won a championship there. He leaves, and it wasn't without controversies. Well, there's some controversy at Ohio State. But for the most part, when he left, he put it in Ryan Day's hands, and fans were okay with that. Like, they were skeptical at first because Ryan Day, we're not sure about him, but they kept on winning. They kept that tradition going, right? Because we look at these things right now the Jaguars have. What do they have? They have swimming pools. Cool. They have, like, the world's largest scoreboards. Fantastic. But do you think players are going to Jacksonville because of those things? They're not. They, the players could care less. What the players need is culture. You're telling me the dog park isn't attracting free agents? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my French Bulldog love that place, but as far as players are concerned, probably not really, right? So, like, with that being said, we you got to have things that players are attracted to. And once again, I say tradition. Well, there's no tradition here in Jacksonville. Let's be honest. It's just not. So then you need culture. You need good players, and you need facilities. And I think Urban Meyer, if it's the next five years, though, we'll find out. We're going to strap five years or ten years or who knows. But when he does leave, it's going to be a lot better than when he found it. You know, Austin, you touched on something I exactly, like, you almost put it in the exact words I put it in on our last episode, and that was the Ryan Day thing. And, I'm, you know, I kind of made it a, a, a point of emphasis on the podcast of, you know, Urban Meyer, the thing was, people were asking Urban Meyer, and I remember him saying this on the podcast. I forgot what podcast, but people were asking him, like, hey, Urban, are you sure about bringing Ryan Day here as your offensive coordinator? It was like people that probably, I, I don't want to say it this way, but they it felt like some people didn't believe in him. And Urban was like, no, I believe in this young man or whatever the case may be. And, you know, little did we know or little did people know at the time, he was probably looking at him as his understudy, if you will. And, uh, you know, like that was one of the things I also pointed out about this staff that he's going to make. The announcements haven't been officially made, but, you know, whatever the course of the deal is, it might be five years. We don't know. They haven't revealed that yet. Um, unless you got some insider knowledge that you want to drop here. But that being said, 
<laughs> that being said, I mean, you got to watch who Urban is going to bring into this organization in terms of the coaches because the understudy could very well be there in place. Now, look, you got to worry about people poaching your coordinators and this, that, and the other. Um, but chances are, like, I guess the best way I could put it, you know, pay very deep attention to who's the quality controls coach, you know, as, as opposed to the higher ups, because those are the guys in five years that are still on the team. And, uh, you know, that's probably something you probably agree with just based off of what you were saying. And, you know, me and Phil just kind of echoed those sentiments in our last episode. Yeah, 100%. That's definitely one thing as far as just building those relationships. I'm, relationships, I'm really excited to see him uh, You just kind of foster those throughout the entire locker room. That That's going to be really, really great to see. So let's move in here to the, the next bit of news that we are expecting to hear really any day now, probably by the end of the week. Uh, the, the first part of this question is, you know, should – should fans have any concern of, of Urban having the kind of power that he does being new to the league? And, and also, what are your thoughts about the eventual and, and hiring of, of Trent Baalke? A lot of fans aren't very on board on it. You know, his his past is is documented in terms of his draft selection history. Um, and then also, you know, his relationships with coaches, what he did with the 49ers. What's your thoughts on on all of that? Because, of course, there's, you know, wasn't really met with a lot of fanfare. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's a great point into keeping track, not only from the coordinator perspective, but also just like, it's like, kind of like you said, I mean, like the, the offensive quality control or the player personnel guys, like everybody he brings in is going to be for a reason. And there might be some titles that you haven't heard before, but there's going to be a method to the madness. I think one of the biggest skill sets that Urban Meyer brings to a football team, and it's not even the X's and O's, which I think he's great at as well, but it's the fact, like, it's the psychology of football. He seems to understand how players operate. Now, keep in mind, Urban Meyer sat out this past season. It was a big season because there's a lot of things that transpired. There was the pandemic. You know, there was the, the, the racial injustice stuff like that, you know, and universities speaking out to that. So Urban Meyer missed a little bit of that by being on the sidelines talking about football as opposed to coaching football. But I think, like, he... He offers the rare mixture of an old school mentality guy where I think he's going to be the guy that's going to be yelling at people and things and pushing people. And that's great. I'm all, I'm all for that. But he also understands, I believe, how the modern NFL player works. And when we see organizations have problems, whether it's with trades, whether it's with players wanting out, whether it's with, you know, turmoil in the locker room, it's not necessarily because those coaches are bad at coaches X's and O's. It's because they don't understand the modern era NFL player. And I think Urban Meyer does that in spades. I think he understands what he's dealing with. And I think he's going to bring in people who, if he doesn't understand, they're going to help him understand as well. And, and that's a big part of it. We talk about X's and O's all the time, but you have to be able to deal with the modern era NFL player as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I, uh, well, I guess it's Brent's theory overall. Um, when you put it in from that perspective, that look, this sounds like a Bill Belichick theory where he's thinking like five steps ahead of everybody. And it seems like Shad Khan might have been thinking five step, steps ahead of everybody uh, when we were just chilling, just trying to watch a Super Bowl game. Like he was already looking into the future and what the team would be and so on and so forth. And like it just flew over our head. They're letting all of these people go left and right. And, you know, they're setting up for a new regime. And then, bam, you know, uh, Dave Caldwell's fired, Trent Baalke's there, and now Urban Meyer's there. And you know what? Like, I've actually thought of a similar theory, Austin. And when you actually told me, like, what Brent was thinking, I was like, that sounds about right, because I think that 
I would say as far back as what November when Dave Caldwell got fired. In my opinion, I think Shad Khan was setting up the situation to to basically let him and I'm talking about Balky here and um, let Urban Meyer know even then that look, hey, uh, both of y'all are gonna report to me because if you go back to when Dave uh, Doug Marone was fired, one of the first things out of Shad Khan's mouth was restructuring the front office and everybody's going to report to me. And I think that was him telling Balky at that moment, what was it, two, three weeks ago, hey, I'm bringing in Urban Meyer. He's going to come in. Both of y'all are going to report to me. Hey, play nice with each other is how I took it. You know what I'm saying? Looking back at it now, like when you reflect and look back at it and look at it in hindsight. And, you know, I, I think that was your shot. When he had that press conference about Marone establishing, hey, Look, you two are going to be paired together, even though he didn't want to come out and say, hey, look, it's going to be Urban Meyer and it's going to be Trent Baalke. And uh, I'm going to need you two to get along and I'm going to need you two uh, to report to me because it's not going to be any of that stuff we saw in the past where it's a disconnect from coach to GM or disconnect from coach uh, to, uh, I guess, EVP in the case of Marone and uh, Tom Coughlin. So I don't know, like, maybe... Uh, do y'all feel like that theory is probably what Shot Khan was hinting at a couple weeks ago uh, when he fired Marone and had the press conference? No, without a doubt. So to answer the first part, you know, of uh, of your question here, you know, how much power does Urban Meyer have? I mean, there's a reason why he took this job. And I think, I mean, he took this job for a number of reasons. I mean, having the first pick of the draft helps out a lot. Having a lot of salary cap helps out a lot. But I also think coming from a, a program in Ohio State when he was there where he did have control of everything, I think Shad Khan has promised him a lot of power. Um, and you know what? I'm not mad at that. I think that when a person is put in power and he has a lot of it and he understands the game of football, that's great because now we have a chain of command. Now we have communication. Um, whether you want to go back to Gus Bradley, whether you want to go back to Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone, there was always a sense of you didn't understand the chain of command. And there was a lack of communication, um, especially, you know, these past couple years, it seems like. So I like the fact now that there is a chain of command that's going to open things up a little bit for communication, which is huge in football or any kind of business. But also, I think that he's going to surround himself once again, talking about Urban Meyer with people that understand the NFL. So while he may have the final say of a lot of things, I think he's going to consult in people. I think he's going to confide in people. And in doing so, they'll find the proper resolution, if you will. Now, to answer your second part about Trent Belke, yeah, it's funny, because when we talked about this on the show before he got signed, I don't think he's even signed yet, but I mean, all systems go on the signings, it seems like. But um, when we talked about this, like, the GM is kind of an afterthought, I feel like, in this fan base right now, because you got a reminder, you got the big name, the GM could be anybody. But I said that if the Jaguars chose to go with Belke, I feel like there'd be an outcry a little bit because of the optics. And when I say optics, like, listen, if you look at his draft history, there's some good, there's some bad. Okay. And any GM that's applying for a second go around is going to have that. There's a reason why they're applying for a second go around. They got fired in the first place. But where I raise a red flag a little bit is his relationships that he had with former coaches, those former coaches being Chip Kelly, uh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, Thomas Sula, like they all kind of had a falling out, you get the sense of, and they were not on the same page, let's just say. That makes me nervous, especially from a type A guy like Urban Meyer, who is going to be um, in control. 
Now, it makes me feel a little better from the fact that Urban Meyer, I assume, hired Valky uh, and really promoted Valky in this role. So I think there's kind of a relationship there a little bit. But I'm going to echo something that my co-host Brent Martin actually spoke of today a little bit. And I didn't really put two and two together until he broke it down. He did a very eloquent job of doing it. Hopefully, I don't, I don't do a disservice by messing this up. But last year, when we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars, after the season, let's call it, of 2019, Shad Khan said that the goal was going to be to win games, right? So, like, you had the feeling you had Gardner Minshew, you had some key pieces, you had Clayus Campbell at the time, and it was like, you know what? They're going to be okay. Then we go to the Super Bowl in Miami, and we were down there and everything like that, recovering it. Super Bowl. So one could assume that Shad Khan met with Belky down at the Super Bowl and is what it is. Well, after that, after the Super Bowl, you traded Clarence Campbell away. You traded AJ Boye away. Then during training camp, you let Leonard Fournette go. You let Ronnie Harrison go. And that was the last that we heard of Shad Khan was before the Super Bowl. So to me, something changed from the time that Shad Khan said that winning's the top priority till after the Super Bowl. Well, what changed? Trent Belkin. So with that being said, and this is more of my co-host's um, speculation, but I, I actually agree with him here. I think that after that meeting, they bring in Trent Belkin. I think the reason why they got Belkin in the first place was to bring on Urban Meyer. I think the plan was to free up a lot of cap space um, to make this job intriguing. Now, was, was the first pick of the draft the plan? Probably not. But they just kind of lucked into that. But I, I think the whole plan was to bring Belkin in and in doing so, Belkin would convince Urban Meyer because they have a history. If you, if you do, you know, if you go back a little bit, they have a history of working together. And I think Belkin brought Urban Meyer in, and then in doing so, Urban Meyer elevated Belkin. That is a long play, man. That is a long play. That <laughs> makes a, long, a lot of sense. Yeah, that that makes long. a whole lot of sense because, like you said, yeah. what changed? You know, all of a sudden. Um, you're making all of these moves. And then, yeah, like you said, I don't think they really thought because uh, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, before the season, I mean, we had them at right around what, three to five wins, you know what I mean? And then they come out and they win and they look good in week one and two. And you're like, oh crap, like is, is Gardner about to play himself into this long-term role? And then we all know what happened after that. There's no reason in, in talk. I always say here, uh, one of my, my favorite thing I've been saying on, on the show since we started is we the Jaguars are off season champions. So like, as soon as the season ends, it's like, it's our time guys. Like we kick it into high gear and everything is great. And we started off this, this off season pretty well with, with urban Myers. So yeah, that is, man, that is crazy. Jay, what do you think about that? Like, I mean, it sounds like he's been thinking about this for a while because they had that conversation, him and urban at the super bowl. Correct. That's when they, well, I mean, of course they've known each other for a while, but they've had that conversation and and no one believed the press conference after the season where he's like, I don't know. I haven't talked to urban like Rashad. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. So um, my question, we're going to move on to like on the field stuff because we haven't really covered that. We've been covering Meyer and talking bulky here, but uh, we want to lean on your expertise in terms of uh, defense. And, uh, you know, we heard the reports and we wrote about it and we evaluated it. Joe Cullen, uh, used to be here back in uh, 20, what was it, 2009 to 12. And uh, those were the days, <laughs> funny story, when me and Phil met at a Jaguars training camp. Um, and to connect the dots there, the video that we showed you, what, months ago of us talking to you on the sideline, you remember that? That video was like one of the first times me and Phil met. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, it was the <laughs> that's right. That's the video of when I was like, "Hey, you came to GameStop," and you're like, "Oh yeah," and I was like, "Austin, he doesn't remember when he came." <laughs> that's right. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that was me and Phil's first time meeting, coincidentally. And what I remember from those days is Joe Cullen. And I was telling Phil earlier before you came, I was like, dude, you used to hear Joe Cullen, like, cussing from, like, three fields down, like, if he was on the sideline. It was like, yeah, I remember that guy. Like, so that being said, with Cullen coming into the equation, uh, we want to ask you what's your thoughts about Joe Cullen becoming uh, perhaps the defensive coordinator or some role on this staff. Uh, we also want to know your best Joe Cullen story as well, because I'm sure it's one. And number three, also, we want to know what direction you think the Jaguars should go in in terms of defensive and schematics and all of that stuff. All right. All right. Great questions. Great questions. So uh, I think the first question was my thoughts about Joe Cullen as a defensive coordinator, what you're hearing now, kind of like an elevated um, run coordinator, I guess is what they're trying to call that now. I don't know. Um, listen, if you've been to a training camp from, like you said, 2009 to 2009, I believe it was 12 or 13, um, you heard Joe Cullen, all right? Uh, it would be impossible not to hear Joe Cullen. And it was kind of a rude awakening for me when I first got to the league because I had to deal with that guy every single day. And I had to deal with a guy who would chew me out if my footwork was wrong. I had to deal with a guy who would chew me out if my hand placement was wrong. Um, I had to definitely deal with a guy who would shoot me out if I was off sides or, or I was making mistakes. And it was definitely, uh, to be fair, a very stressful environment, to say the least, especially as a rookie. Because from the place that I came from at Murray State, I was dealing with more of the players' coach who would never swear at you and never yell at you. So my rookie year was kind of a rude awakening, like I said. And as I kind of went on through my career, you know, it got back. I'm about to bring this home here. I'm about to bring it full circle. So my three years of Joe Cullen in Jacksonville, at the time, it was like, man, this dude's crazy. Like, I respect him because it's like he's being genuine, but he's insane. But it wasn't until I went to places like Kansas City and I went to places like Chicago that I truly got what Joe Cullen was doing. Every time that he would yell at me for messing up, whether it's my footwork or my hand placement, or uh, I'm like a minute early, I have to be like five minutes early. Every time he yelled at me, though, or yelled at somebody, it's because he cared. Like, he, he put it upon himself so much with the game of football and his passion for it that he put 100% of his energy in every single play, in every single film breakdown. And if you're doing something wrong, yeah, he would yell at you, but it was a place of love because he cared so much that he wanted to see you reach your full potential. When I got to Kansas City, um, when I played in Chicago, I didn't have that. I had coaches who would just be like, all right, do whatever here, do whatever here. And then doing that, like, I didn't feel like I was getting coached that well. So it took, like, the worst kind of experiences, like, in other places for me to realize just how special Joe Cullen is. So to bring it home of, what do I feel as Joe Conn as a defensive coordinator or, you know, like an elevated run game coordinator? I think he'd be perfect. I think he'd be perfect because the guy that stresses the details, um, this is a guy that holds you accountable. And this is a guy that more than probably any other coach I've ever met coaches with a passion because he cares about the game. And I think that when you have the youngest team in the NFL right now, you need those attributes more than anything. 
So I think Joe Kong will be perfect uh, to answer your first question. Now, the second question of, uh, there's so many of them, man. One of my favorites, because uh, I, I have to be careful like, what I'll say and everything, you know, but what, what, one of my favorite stories about Joe Collins. So he's an old school East Coast guy. All right. So he's got that accent and everything. And being an old school guy, he doesn't like technology and him don't mix. Okay. So every single uh, day we had defensive line meetings. And one of those people in that meetings was none other than Terrence Knight, call him Pot Roast. All right. Pot Roast was like, uh, he was the guy that kept everything light and fun, man. I mean, he was. Every team needs a pot roast. Every team in the dog days of summer, when it's feeling, you know, mundane and it's just you're bored and you're tired, like pot roast kept things fun. And one of the things that pot roast would do is the way his seating was set up was Joe Cullen was right behind him. So every single day before the meeting started, Terrence would take the outlet of the plug of like the projector and unplug it. Joe Cullen thought like the technology was breaking down. So he would call like the, like our ops, like our special ops people would be like, Hey, this damn projector's breaking down again. So then uh, we call him Perk. Perk would have to come down from his office and deal with the wrath of Joe Cullen swearing at him saying, why is this thing broken? Why is this thing turning on? Turns out it was Terrence Knight the whole time turning off the projector. And we literally did that like every single day. And Cullen never caught on to it. And poor, and poor Perk, who doesn't know what's going on, he's just trying to help out and everything. He doesn't know what's happening because he turns it on. It's like, Joe, it's working. What's going on? Well, it's because Terrence would plug in the outlet again. So that's, uh, I mean, that's one of, listen, I can do a, an entire two-hour TED talk on Joe Cullen's story. But that's one of my favorites because um, just of how funny it was and the fact that Joe had no idea he, Probably he's not going to have an idea to listen to this podcast. So hopefully he doesn't listen to it because then if I see him again, he's going to be upset. And then, to, and then to answer your third question real quick, I'm sorry, I'm kind of long-winded. The third question of the, the Jaguar scheme here, what should they run on defense? If you look at the way the NFL is ran now, it's very pass-oriented, right? So we're talking about a bunch of nickel packages. When you, when you run those nickel packages – you know, there's never really a, a four three or three four anymore. It's all hybrid, right? When the Jaguars drafted Josh Allen a couple of years ago, I was the first person to say they got to run a three four because when you have a bookend edge rusher at the time, they had Yannick Ngakwe as well. When you have the edge rushers, that's when a three four defense can come into play. So, do I want to see him run a three four or four three? I want to see some sort of resemblance of a three, four hybrid, but most importantly, I want to see Josh Allen and Caleb on chase on standing up. And I want to see one guy rushing every once in a while. Another guy drop back into coverage and keeping offenses honest with confusion. That's what I want to see. That's literally the, like when your, your parents call you for like technical support and you're like, did you plug in the DVD player? Or, you know what I mean? Like that's absolutely what that story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and in that environment too, like when you're working, you're not expecting that kind of energy at, in your day to day when you're just like working like tech support, <laughs> you know? but that that's hilarious. That is a, a great story. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that she covered. It <laughs> shows that one. I hope you guys are enjoying this interview with Austin Lane. Really quick before we continue, I want to give a shout out to our second sponsor. With a new year comes tons of new big games and sports. With big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. 
plus get free shipping with code believe b-l-e-a-v at checkout try out the snack pack combo it features small plates with big flavor you got mini beef wellington steak burger sliders mac and cheese melts shrimp wrapped in bacon god i'm getting hungry just thinking about it every order is flash frozen delivered directly to your home satisfaction guaranteed or your money back basically every cut of steak imaginable plus appetizers desserts barbecue and so much more again go to kansascitysteaks.com slash game day and use the code believe b-l-e-a-v at checkout for free shipping kansas city steaks big games big taste we are going to go to another question that is off the field related here um because it, it is still we've covered it a lot uh, here um, on our show. And I know you and Brent have spoken about it as well. And that's lot J. And, you know, we know now that of course that did not pass. Uh, we, we're just a vote short and, you know, like all three of us, I, I know we want to see Jacksonville grow and, and prosper. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here for the long term. Jay, even though he's not located here, he's here all the time. And of course is covering the team. And I have kind of, me personally, like our listeners know, I have like a love hate relationship with Jacksonville. I, I love it here, but it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's very similar to me in that I, I know how my parents feel now because like, there's a lot of untapped potential, but I want to play video games. You know, like, I feel like that's kind of how, how Jacksonville is run. So, but we also feel like that deal wasn't good for the taxpayer here in Jacksonville and, and the, the lack of communication and openness with Shad Khan and his group was a problem for a lot of us. So what do you think and what do you believe would help Shad Khan you know, with the growth of, of downtown, get the wheels turning. And, you know, what do you think he has to do to kind of win over this community? Because like we said, we want to see Jacksonville go down. Downtown has so much, like I just said, untapped potential. And we just keep hitting this roadblock. Yeah, well, without a doubt. You know, I mean, when I had friends or family come to Jacksonville, they asked me like, hey, where should we go? I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I never say downtown. And I want to say downtown. You know, like I live in, Duval County. Um, I, I have pride in this city. There's a reason why I'm here. I, I love this city. You know, I mean, I, I planted my roots here. So I absolutely love this city. And, you know, to get in the question a little bit of, you know, what can they do going forward? How can they learn from the mistakes? To me, it comes down to a few things. And I know that Shad Khan takes some of this blame for Lot J. It, you know, obviously it was his money being put up and it was his idea but I don't fault Shad Khan for saying yes to the deal that was presented to him because he got a good deal from, you know, and this is more of the leadership side, you know, whether it's the mayor, whoever you want to call out, but the leadership took it upon themselves to craft this deal. They gave it to Shad Khan and said, this is the deal that we have for you. Shad Khan being a businessman said, well, this is a great deal. Let's go ahead and do this one, obviously. So, I don't fault Shad Khan for taking a good deal. Um, you know, in retrospect now, maybe you should have had a little more foresight to say, hey, this is a great deal for me, but will we get the votes? Because maybe some people kind of feel short-sighted a little bit. That's neither here nor there now. So I'm not mad at Shad Khan. But what I think you have to do going forward is you have to reestablish the leadership role and the change in communication. And, and let's be honest, um, this is a, it's obviously a political thing, right? And politics, no matter what people say, they're always going to be personal, okay? I mean, if, if you look at how today went down with inauguration, half the side is super pumped up, half the side is pissed off on Facebook and doing their, their, their rants and all that stuff, right? It's, it's always going to be personal. And it's even personal from a local level as well. So when you have people that, 
you know, are personal about something, and then you have people who um, haven't been given all the facts, and you have a lack of communication, that's a recipe for not getting what you want. And that's exactly what happened with this lot J vote. So going forward, you know, and whether it's the shipyards or Met Park, whatever it's going to be, there has to be, number one, great leadership. There has to be uh, whether it's the mayor or a group of people, but they have to establish communication and they have to establish a clear goal and a clear plan and include people on that plan. Um, and to me, you have to go through the proper channels, whether that's DIA or whatever the case may be, but you have to go through the proper channels of okaying the plan. That's the first step. Number two, and I don't want this to be taken as the wrong way, but you have to stop making it about Shad Khan and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because the whole time that I've heard people talk, it's, well, if they don't get Lot J approved, the Jaguars are leaving. Okay. Now, I care about that. You guys care about that because we follow the team. But this is Jacksonville, Florida. Not everyone was born and raised here. Not everyone's a Jaguars fan. So stop putting the Jaguars fan in mind and take the citizen of Duval County in mind. Like, say, hey, if we don't get this approved, how is it going to affect downtown? Um, you know, if it doesn't get approved, like, will this increase the crime rate? Like, uh, what about, like, after-school programs? All that kind of stuff, you know, like uh, youth programs, things like that. Like, if we approve this, what does it do for the kids of Jacksonville? Those are questions and those are answers that you got to be, you know, providing as opposed to, well, if you don't vote yes, you're going to lose the team. With all due respect, I understand the team is huge to Jacksonville, but this is bigger than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a huge part of what they do for the city, and you should celebrate that, and you should convey that, but it's bigger than just football, man. This is building a city that's something to be proud of. So to me, they have to convey that message as well. Yeah, that's that That makes so much sense. And, and to ask a – to kind of follow up on that, because we had – uh, a good friend of ours, we had uh, a Blythe Brum Brumleaf on, and I'm, I'm sure you've actually interacted with her quite quite a bit. She's awesome, you know, has a, a great podcast, great entrepreneur. And we had her on during the offseason, and we were asking her about Lodge. And, and I'm glad I had that conversation with her because she is so in tune with this city and the culture of this town and and how much there is worth investing in and just kind of showing off to the entire, not just Jacksonville, but the entire country, because I think we know the goal eventually is to get the Super Bowl back and WrestleMania and all these kinds of things that we would love to see. And she, the way that she put it was that she doesn't want it to be another town center. And that's kind of what we were getting with that vision that was coming up. So, you know, my, my question is, you know, if me being here and just like you said, you've, you've chosen to plant your roots here and you're passionate about the city. And I think we, we all are. If they build that, you know, I'm not going to go downtown to go to an NBC sports bar. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what I'm going to do. I want to go down there because, it, again, because there are a lot of uh, local, locally owned restaurants and bars and all this kind of stuff. And just like you said, that's not what we were we were getting. Shad Khan needs to make a covenant with the city of Jacksonville, not just Jacksonville Jaguar fans, I think is what you're saying. Right? Absolutely. No, yeah, without a doubt, man, because this city is more, obviously, than just Jaguars fans. Now, listen, if you start winning ball games, then obviously those people are going to grow and everything like that. But to me, it's it's bigger than football. It's like you said. Like, I mean, my son, he's five years old right now. He's, he's a Jaguars fan right now. But I'll be honest, he always asks, why, why do they keep on losing? And I'm like, just, just wait. It's going to turn around, especially, you know, growing up a Green Bay Packer fan where I'm always accustomed to them winning. So I feel bad for him. 
but I would love to take my son downtown and say, hey, this is this person lives here downtown. They own this business. Like, look what they can do. You know, like I can take anybody to a, a Buffalo Wild Wings anywhere in Jackson. You know, uh, and it's like you said, like to me, the downtown, it's the heartbeat. It's the lifeblood. And, and it should showcase that. So, yes, if, if it's a bunch of local businesses, even better, man. Like just Jacksonville is unique and it, it, it needs to be shared as such. It doesn't need to be another downtown like some. And I always made it a habit of this when I played in the league. The, the night before we got into well, the night we got into town on a Saturday, I always made it a habit if it was close to the stadium, I would walk downtown and I would just kind of see the cool restaurants. I would talk to some cool people and just be like, hey, what's the city all about? Um, it was one of the best things I ever did in my life because it, it, it taught me a lot about just different cities, different dynamics of people. And what I always gauged was that the downtown, if it's close to a stadium, it is the lifeblood of an entire city. It's the identity of a city. Um, it's the pride of a city. And, and right now, to tell you the truth, like there's, you know, there's five points in Riverside, but when we're talking about the stuff by the stadium, it's lacking. Um, there's no definitive thing that says this is Jacksonville. This is the people of Jacksonville. There's, there's a jail, you know, there's an amphitheater, but that's about it. So uh, I definitely agree with you and the person that you had on before me, um, they have to make it more localized and they have to do a good job of showcasing that. Yeah. And before Jay gets into the final question, one thing that really comes into mind is, you know, when you is Orlando and of course everyone knows Orlando is, is a giant tourist hub. We we know that, but yeah. let's look at Orlando city, a stadium, a quarter of the size of TIAA. And not that I've been to an Orlando city game personally, but you know, we've seen it on social media and their fans, they're passionate. And uh, just that whole area, the downtown area of Orlando. And, and, you know, I've been out in Orlando um, to go to like the bars and the restaurants. It's truly unique. When I'm down there, I don't feel like I'm yes. at Disney world. I feel like I'm in Orlando hanging out with locals and, and talking to cool bartenders and all that kind of stuff. So the way that, I mean, Orlando's yeah. able to do that in, in with a, with a soccer team, you know what I mean? Like we should be able to do it in Jacksonville with a national football league team. <laughs> it's, it's a fantastic point, man. Um, you hit it right on the head because my wife, uh, she lived in Orlando for like two years. So when we were dating, I'd go back and forth from Jacksonville to Orlando. And I remember when I first, you know, went to Orlando, it was like, I, I'd known it from Disney, you know, like I've never been to Orlando. All I know is it's a big tourist trap. I'm like, I don't, I mean, this isn't kind of my stop. But then she kind of told me, like, hey, well, let's go out. You're going to have a good time. Like, it's not what you think it is. And she was absolutely right. Like, there is so many cool spots downtown in Orlando that are kind of untapped and unknown, which is cool because, you know, like the locals like that. But it is so much more than Disney. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. Like, look what that soccer team was able to accomplish, the fan base and the growth around it. Why can't you do the same in Jacksonville? Right, exactly. Like if you want to go to, you know, uh, what is it called, City Walk or Downtown Disney, you can go. You can go do that. But uh, people who live in Orlando are too. going to. They're going downtown and they're they're enjoying themselves. So it's it's definitely a, a, we we've laid the foundation. We'll make sure again we forward this to the people in charge, <laughs> because yeah, because you know <laughs> yeah. they've been listening so far. So I mean, <laughs> why, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they listen now? I guess. But but yeah, Jay, we'll get into our final question here before we we wrap up. Yeah, so what I'm getting here, Austin and Phil, is that we should be uh, that bridge between the people shot kind in terms of getting this stuff done. Like, we should be, you're saying we should be the downtown committee minus the politics side just based off the liaisons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, uh, that, it would be nice. It would be <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, my question is um, the last question, and we kind of touched on this in the first question uh, with, with uh, Shad Khan and Tony Khan. Uh, you know, there's this disconnect, it seems. And, you know, in Shad Khan's defense, he's trying to bridge that with Urban Meyer. Um, but with Tony as well, um, all three of us are big AEW fans from um, the research I've done on you. And I've also seen you, like, interview, like, MJF and all of these people and whatnot. Um, do you think that, like, basically, Shad Khan or Tony Khan's work, excuse me, with AEW is kind of, like, taken from the ability of him to connect with the fans? Because, like, that's something, like, we often hear on Twitter as well. It's like, uh, you know, Tony Khan doesn't really tweet about the Jaguars. He doesn't interact with fans. Like, the, I think the last time we probably saw him interact with them, and I could be wrong, or interact, like, Jaguars-related, was the fight with Yannick Ngakwe. And you know what I'm saying? For a co-owner, if you want to call him that, like, it shouldn't be that way. And I think the fans are on to that. They're like, you know, why doesn't he talk about the Jaguars? Or why doesn't he give us an apology? Like, he apologized for Fulham and so on and so forth. So I want to know, do you, like, agree with those sentiments that AEW might be taking a lot of his time from him to have that ability to reach that medium of fans? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great call. Right. And and I, I spoke with Tony a couple times. And first of all, you know, to watch him grow that brand of AW, it's been pretty cool. You know, I mean, because like you said, we're all wrestling fans. So we know what AEW has done to the landscape of professional wrestling um, for the better. So we appreciate that. You know, he also has a gig in the phone where he's essentially the general manager. I mean, he's the guy making the roster moves. And like you said, when when the team does bad or the team does well, he's there to tweet about it. Where I think people get rubbed the wrong way with AEW, especially, is the, and probably with the Fulham tweets too, is because he's tweeting about this stuff, but like you don't see what it's doing for the city. Okay. Like AEW, I feel like, and the reason why I talk about it sometimes on, on our show is because I think it's good for the city of Jacksonville. Um, I think it can bring a bunch of things to the city of Jacksonville. Now, people that see him tweet on, tw you know, on Twitter don't necessarily think that because they don't think that way, but it's the truth. You know, with AEW, it's a different world where you got to tweet, right? Because, like, you got to spread that brand. You got to get the hashtags trending, all that stuff. So I do get it from the wrestling standpoint where he does tweet all the time. I, I respect it. You do what you got to do. You got to get your hustle on. But from the soccer point, or from, you know, as they call it over there, they call it football. Um, from that point, yeah, it, I can see the frustration of the Jaguars fan base because this is a guy who's very heavy in analytics. And if you study the NFL right now, that's where the, the league is going, is to analytics. And you have an owner who has always been kind of the same, right? Like, I mean, Sean Khan in terms of transparency, Sean Khan's in, in terms of speaking, like, you don't always hear from him. And that's always been standard. That's who he is. But I think with Tony Khan, where you, you see him um, tweet about the soccer stuff, but then he doesn't tweet about the football stuff, yeah, that can be taken as kind of a slap in the face if you're a Jaguars fan. Now, do I feel that way personally? Not necessarily, because I think it's it's different realms. I think the sport of soccer over there across the pond and the sport of football are different. Um, I think that if Tony Khan was to tweet about football, like, is there anything he could really say to us that would make us feel better? You know, like this past season, what would you want Tony Khan to say to you? Say, hey, we're trying really hard. We're sorry. Like, 
maybe a sorry would be sufficient for a day, but you forget about that sorry and still be pissed off, you know? So to me, there's not much that Tony Khan can really say to a Jaguars fan to make him feel better or worse. To me, it's the product that you put on the field should be the ultimate goal. Now, if you want to give like an end of the year synopsis and say, here's what we did wrong, here's what we're going to do going forward, then so be it. But I don't look to Tony Khan to give me commentary on the season just because at the end of the day, whatever he says won't make me feel better anyways. So a kind of, uh, and what I'm kind of gathering from this too is I think what a lot of people would like to see is something in the middle, because like you said, Tony Khan, he has to promote AEW. You got to be active on social media for, for professional wrestling. Tony Khan's not going to be like on Saturday night, tune in one o'clock CBS to see Gardner Minshew versus Ryan Tannehill. Like he's not going to do, I mean, I would honestly kind of love it. If there was like a, like a, like a AEW graphic of the two of them, them. but also it's like, you know, we have all been to AEW events. One of my favorite things is at the end of dynamite, Tony Khan will come out and say, thank you to the best wrestling fans in the world. We're doing this because of you. And I, I, I personally love that, even though the other half of me is like, talk about the Jaguars. (laughs) (laughs) But the other time I'm I'm, the other time, I'm just like, I I, I can, I feel that he knows how important this is to wrestling fans because um, when we went to uh, the, uh, the early in January or the end of December, no beginning of December, when we went to, they you know the quote unquote pay-per-view. And he was like, you guys are the largest wrestling crowd in the world right now. That makes you feel good. You know, you're part of something incredibly special. And I think of something, and, and you guys will probably remember this from a few months ago when Matt Hardy got hurt and he got injured in that, in that event with uh, Sammy Guevara. And he came out and, and, and talked to us. He said, you know, Matt's okay. We're doing this. We're doing that. We want everybody to be safe. And I think something somewhere in the middle, because yeah, like you said, it's really as Jaguar Twitter, we all know it can be is very brutal. But I think having gone from having said nothing to um, to where we are now, I think even something small maybe would have gone at least a little bit and, and bottom that for a small bit of time. But I think maybe we need to find something somewhere in the middle because he is the only one as far as between him and his dad that that's on social media and that is somewhat accessible. Well, it, it, it's a great point. And, you know, and, and I guess to kind of clarify a little bit, like I said, like, what can Tony Khan say that would make you feel better? And, and that might be the truth, but at the same time, it's like you said, and, and I've been to a bunch of those uh, AEW events. Like when he comes after the show and he says, what's up to you and says, thank you, that, that does mean something. Um, at least to me. Now, the whole crowd, I'm not sure, but I feel like the whole crowd, like, you know, you're in this together, it almost feels like, right? Like, you're you're a part of something special. Well, let's be honest. The past five or six years with this franchise, there hasn't been a lot of special things that have happened. You had 2017, where you go to the AFC Championship game, but everything besides that has been miserable. And we're talking miserable to a fan base that invests their money invest their time with podcasts like this one um, that invest their energy and their passion um, to this team, to, to, to this Jaguars conglomerate, if you will. And I think from the fan base's perspective, and I'll see and speak from my perspective, I think that when you do kind of go silent, a lot of people wonder, well, then what is, like, what, what are we doing? You know, like, it's almost like, what, what is this all for? Like, what's, is there going to be light at the end of the tunnel? Like, at least give us hope, you know, like so, sometimes, and that's what I think Tony Khan does so well um, with Poland. You know, like, 
I don't follow soccer a lot, but I do know that they're not the best team in the Premier League. But like when they do win or they have a rough loss and, and he tweets it out, like what he's doing is he's providing that fan base hope. All right. Like even just like, 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 like you said at the wrestling events, when he comes out and he says, thank you for being here. Like we have a sense of hope that what we did was something special. Like we, we were a part of something big that not a lot of people can take pride in because they weren't here. So to echo your point a little bit, I think that if he was to come out and at least give you an update of where the team's at or what the team's going to do going forward, you give the fan base hope. And let's be honest, in terms of hope, this fan base needs it more than probably any NFL team uh, right now in the league. So, you know, I guess I'm kind of coming around a little bit where I said, what does it prove? I guess it does give you hope. And this fan base does need hope. So I appreciate you for kind of swaying my opinion. A Yo, bit. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with that because, I mean, I believe, you know, you could put two and two together and, and figure out that Tony Khan loves the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, for crying out loud, you see him backstage at AEW or you see him. Um, it was on uh, Impact because they're doing a cross brand now. Yeah. He has yeah, a Jaguars, yeah. like, you know, jacket on and whatnot. So you could tell, like, he's branding the team. He likes the team to a degree. But like you and Phil were saying, like, it kind of doesn't do anything for that crowd that doesn't watch wrestling and that's not, uh, that's just on Twitter solely. So, I mean, like, you know, in the one one thing, like, this is kind of stressed, like, at least where I'm from in the African-American community, it's just saying something could mean a lot. Just, in, you know, just a small gesture, something could mean a lot. And they could take another person, you know, to, to the rooftop or whatever the, the case may be, inspire them, so on and so forth. Or like you and Phil said, uh, show people that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And that's just kind of something like, that's just kind of stressed in general. And, uh, you know, you know, hopefully he'll get around to that. Or, you know, hopefully if not, like, they just start flat out winning and it won't be a need for Tony Khan to say much, you know, like. Yeah. Well, and you know what, James, to try to echo your points a little bit, and then they're great ones. Like, I, I think out of what we're asking from Tony Khan, from the Jaguars fans' perspective, who doesn't follow AEW or professional wrestling, you don't even need the answers, right? You just want to feel heard. Like, you you, you want to feel like, listen, like, I'm putting my time and effort into this team. Do you acknowledge me? Like, do you see me doing this stuff? Like, sometimes that's all it needs. Like, if Tony Khan just says, hey, I see you guys. We're trying to get better. I think that can go a long way. Exactly. exactly. Especially when you have people uh, pouring, you know, 500 to 1,000 to whatever the case may be into season tickets passionately over the years. And then especially when you just, you know, you yeah. accumulate all of that money or you tally it up over the course of the years, you know, a lot of people feel like they've lost a lot of money just, you know, by investing into the Jaguars. But, you know, at the same time, that's a willing investment too. Um, That's something that you, you basically, you know, as a fan that you want to do and so on and so forth. But to your point, though, at the same time, some people just want to feel acknowledge so um with that being said i mean that's all the questions i got i don't know if you got something phil uh that you want to talk about or um if not you could just go ahead and wrap it up man we appreciate all you uh share it with us austin yeah man that's that's pretty much it uh you know and then also you didn't even mention jay people are bringing their dogs to the stadium that costs extra money too so you know between, between all of that they're pouring a lot of money into this the the only thing that I, I will ask you because again just to go back to wrestling and is um you know of course we we just a couple of weeks ago we all dealt with the the and then we'll cut this out if, if you don't have a story but um we all dealt with the tragic passing of, of john huber and you know brody uh, luke harper did you get a chance to interact with him at all uh, whenever he was here or? um it's funny i oh man yeah th this is a rough one for me so 
couple months ago, um, I had an opportunity to interview an AEW wrestler. And it came down between Lance Archer and John. Um, I put in the request for Lance Archer because he was, you know, he just got on the scene. Um, I think he was getting ready to wrestle. It was Cody Rhodes, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, I went with Lance Archer over John because I always figured, like, oh, well, John, you know, John, don't be there. Like, eventually he's going to get his run. And guess what? He got his run off the dark order and, and he uh, became the TNT champion. And I just always thought that, you know, he, he would be there, man. And, um, you know, I have a couple of friends that work for the company. Um, I've heard a lot of stories, listened to a lot of interviews with John and everything that you hear about that guy, at least from the people that I've talked to, it's, it's the truth, you know? And like, that's the, that's all you can hope for when, you know, whenever you leave this world and, and hopefully it's later than sooner, but it's what people say about you. Like that is your legacy and that's what you leave behind. Um, and you know, the, I guess the, the bittersweet lining of the whole thing is the fact that you get to hear so many great stories now, uh, of people talking about him and what he meant to the wrestling business. Um, obviously I'm full of regret because I never got a chance to talk to the dude, but it was an absolute honor to watch him, uh, work at his craft night in and night out with AEW and other promotions as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I know some of you guys might be thinking that we ended on kind of a somber note, but just like you said, we it's been so special it's like we've gotten to yeah. know him all over again and even though it's it's so sad you know and, and yeah. it's so tragic all these stories coming out from all you know all different promotions anybody who's working anywhere who's had nothing but great things to say to him and um yeah so you know i just wanted yeah. to to ask about that but but austin we thank you so much for joining us again guys you can follow austin on twitter at a underscore train underscore 92 make sure you check check out he and him and brent martineau over on espn 690 you can also follow brent at brent as jacks but uh austin yeah again you know stay safe and uh, we thank you for your time yeah. and we hope that you know you me uh, ryan and annie and and also james here get to go to nxt soon i shout out ryan yeah. they're never gonna listen to this but, <laughs> but I, I wanted to shout out them anyway though <laughs> there you go they'll be like well, you have I a jaguars podcast and i'd be like thanks guys i, I appreciate it um <laughs> but no i'm, I'm james and phil the man i appreciate you guys having me on for real anytime you guys need a guest i'm more than happy to help out you guys are hustling you guys are killing it right now and and like i said i just i respect what you guys do um you guys are kind of like the, the lifeblood i feel like of this team right because you, you're trying to make this thing grow uh, and hopefully i can do a small part of that just like people have done for me but anything you guys ever need please don't hesitate to reach out i'm glad to help out any way that i can um and, and i'll keep following you guys and keep listening to the show as well so thank you very much yeah man you're a really big part of that and and, and all of the jaguar podcasts honestly you know with with bold city and the brawl network and all that stuff man so we really appreciate it we want to get this this fan base to to grow and gain recognition and again you're a big part of that so thanks so much and uh and, and yeah we'll we'll let you go austin you guys stay casual we'll talk to you later yeah man take care all right, folks. Well, there you have it, our interview with Austin Lane. And, you know, as, as nice of a guy as he appears to be uh, when you hear him on the radio, Jay, that just translates to when you get to interact with him. Of course, with this, because of the pandemic, it was Zoom. But you and I have both gotten a chance to interact with him in, in real life as well, you know, before the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And all of that is true to form, man. He is just as genuine a person as he portrays himself on, you know, on the radio. Yeah, absolutely, man. Down to earth guy. He's always been that way. 
uh, with us, you know, just kind of dating back to uh, the interactions we had, even like when he was a player and so on and so forth. I guess like, you know, it kind of gets misconstrued with him being a, a MMA fighter and all of that, this big, uh, tall presence and this this uh, presence that can be a little bit intimidating. But at the end of the day, man, he's cool. And, uh, you know, hopefully next time we can get um, Brent on with him as well, who uh, seems really cool as well. But they've been putting out some quality content on their show on uh, ESPN 690. And I was glad to finally talk to Austin in terms of, you know, getting his football perspective and from off the field information, as I said, as well, uh, from his perspective as well, which, you know, this stuff, you know, him and Brent have kind of tried to uh, stress on their show as well. Yeah, I've been big fans of them, you know, over on ESPN 690 for a while now. Unfortunately, it does come on like right in the middle of the workday. So I do try to catch the, you know, the podcast recap at the end of the day whenever I can. But Austin and Brent, they're doing great things over there at ESPN 690. Hey, and, and you know, Jay, we're just going to put this out there. If you guys ever need any help or a day off, uh, you know, we're here. Absolutely. I mean, look, if the, the station is ever ready to expand and put more shows on the airwaves, me and Phil been doing it for a minute. Again, going back to what we were kind of saying in the podcast, we I think we were doing this like back in the training camp days that we mentioned with uh with Austin back then. So, man, that's like we almost a decade in the game. So holler at us if you all need somebody to come through and do a show for y'all or a guest to uh, sit in, whatever the case may be, me and Phil got you. And uh, we'll be more than willing to uh, to be on y'all payroll for one week or whatever the case may be. <laughs> Do some freelance work for ESPN. Hey, listen, that's why we're out here. Uh, always looking for for the next step. And uh, yeah, there's there's so much more to look forward to when it comes to, uh, you know, believe in the Jaguars. You guys, we have a lot of stuff lined up for you. So, Jay, you know, of course, with the podcast, what do they have to look forward to not only here, but over on the Jaguars wire? Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to get some uh, coaching announcements soon. Pretty much, it sounds like the defensive side is wrapped up from what we can gather. Sounds like uh, they may be still looking for some offensive candidates, so that might be coming through sooner rather than later. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, we'll be on the watch for that as well. Uh, the Pro Bowl is coming up, of course, as well. Um, pretty soon, of course, you know, in terms of the NFL in general. Uh, they'll have a lot of the content about the Super Bowl and whatnot. So, you know, look for me to be posting some of that on the um, on my site for my comrades with the USA Today Wire, uh, Chiefs Wire. Shout outs to Charles Goldman, who has actually been on our podcast before when we were doing it as the Jags Den podcast, as well as shout outs to uh, the Bucks Wire. And I think that's uh, Luke Eastern, if I'm not mistaken. Hold on, I'm going to do that one. And shout outs to the Bucks Wire with uh, editor Luke Easterling. Everybody might know him as the uh, draft guy. I think he um, operates the draft wire as well, too, still. So a uh, shout outs to him as well. They got big weeks coming up. I'll be sharing a lot of their content and directing y'all in their direction on Twitter. And uh, yeah, man, pretty much that's it for us, man. When these coaching announcements get made, it's on to looking into uh, the offseason and prospects and mock drafts and, you know, all of that good stuff. Because after all, as Phil has said, we are offseason champions uh, when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to uh, being off in that time off that you get in January, February, March and April. 
you know, that's another T-shirt we need to add to the list, along with 40 Gang and and Robinson Hive, all that stuff, man. We never got the ball rolling rolling on on Yeldon Hive. We can't miss the boat this time. Yeah, for real. Like, we missed out on Mad Money with the Yeldon Hive, who, by the way, was in the playoffs with the Bills, by the way. He made a, a few plays here and there. But, um, yeah, man, we, we definitely got to get some money and monetize this this Robinson Hive thing, man, because we, we missed out on a grand opportunity before. We came close to a TJ Yeldon and Leonard Fournette Super Bowl. I mean, we were four quarters away. The Bills were never necessarily, you know, uh, well, early on they were in it, but of course they pulled away. But we almost got TJ Yeldon and Leonard Fournette, the battle of the of former Jaguar running backs, but unfortunately it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, we got the battle this time. Well, I won't even say a battle because they're all on the same team. We got a bunch of Jaguars quarterbacks on the Tampa Bay side with Byron Leftwich being the offensive coordinator. And uh, Blaine Gabbert. Well, we got Chad Henney in Kansas yeah, and City. Yeah, Chad Henney in um, Kansas City. Yeah, you're right. So Blaine Gabbert, Henney, Leftwich. And uh, by the way, speaking of Leftwich, um, I don't know if anybody's seen the nugget out there, but uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, I think they might be the first team in history to send a staff with an African-American offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and special teams coordinator into the Super Bowl, which is huge, by the way. We talk on that a lot and how coaches deserve opportunities, this, that, and the other. So from that perspective, a little bit of history will be made. That'll be interesting. And, uh, I mean, the game in general will be pretty interesting as Tom Brady will be making his 10th appearance in the Super Bowl. I mean, I kind of can't wait, even though it gets a little tiresome seeing Brady in there, but still, I think we're in for an exciting game. Dude, it's nuts to think that Tom Brady has been in nearly a tenth of the Super Bowls that have, you know, gone on since you and I have been alive. That is absolutely insane. But yeah, and unfortunately, this year, you know, for us, because of COVID and everything going on, looks like we will miss another. Um, our goal has always been to be on Radio Row for the Super Bowl. So, you know, you know, ho- hopefully, if everything is safe next year, Jay, uh, 2022, will be our year but right now of course it's just a little bit too risky for for us and our families but next year man i i feel confident that we're, where is the super bowl next year is it la yes at la it's at sofi so i mean shout out to show uh sofi your uh employer maybe they can get us in there and help us out you know maybe get us a sponsorship and take care of those tickets or whatever for us in terms of <laughs> a plane flight right or whatever the case may be but yeah, I can't wait, man. Like, I think next year, you know, the numbers will be looking better, hopefully, in terms of COVID. Uh, we got to get those vaccinations and whatnot rolling out, especially for the uh, elderly people and, you know, the people with underlying conditions and so on and so forth. So, yeah, man, we'll get trending in the right direction. And, you know, we, hopefully we might even see things start to trend in the right direction around the middle of this year. And, uh, you know, you might see that trickulate into the NFL season where, you know, maybe we're having more people at the games and so on and so forth. But you are right. The goal is to go to Radio Row. Hopefully we'll make it to SoFi Stadium next year and provide you all a quality episode from the convention center or wherever it is is held at, uh, where they uh, hold Radio Row, should I say. And, uh, yeah, you guys can hold us to that. um, That has always, as Phil said, been the long-term goal. That works out anyway, Jay, because I don't want to go to Raymond James Stadium anyway. That's stupid pirate ship. But <laughs> I, think, I think L.A. will be a lot more fun anyway. No disrespect to our colleagues over, uh, um, I believe, uh, I can't remember the name of the Tampa the Tampa podcast, but there is a Believe uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, uh, um, Cannon, the Cannon Fire Pod. Sorry. <laughs> no disrespect to you guys. <laughs> Which is actually good. I heard like an episode of that, by the way. Shout out to them. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
no, they've interacted with us on Twitter. They're they're awesome. So that was just a little shot. I had to, you know, a little uh, inner Florida rivalry. But anyway, guys, is there um, a Miami Dolphins one, too, because we need to throw a few shots their way, too. I don't think there is. Of course, you know, we had on the Finn side on earlier in the year. But no, I don't think there is a Believe in the Dolphins pod. Yeah, well, they need to get on it with Believe because um, we just, I mean, we would provide them alone with just the Twitter interactions and the beef and the, you know what I'm saying, not real beef, but uh, the interactions alone on the internet will provide Believe with a bunch of quality content with that alone. Absolutely, guys. But this has been the newest episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I hope you enjoyed it. As Jay mentioned, we have a whole lot of stuff planned coming for you down in the pipeline. But most importantly, going forward, you guys, believe in yourself, believe in Urban Meyer, and believe in the Jaguars. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.